Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Harry Man Show, episode 67. Today we have guest Frank Fonsere. He is currently playing with the claim band fronted by Chris Jericho of the band Fozzy. He's also been a, a member of Suck Mojo. How you doing, Frank? I'm well. How are you? Great, man. Uh, I got to say that that new single, Sane, is a uh, it's an earworm, man. That that's like <laughs> that thing's on heavy rotation on my playlist. Oh, great! Thanks, man. I yeah. appreciate it. I'm real. I'm really happy with it myself. Yeah, and that's uh that's getting heavy uh, airplay in our Phoenix market as well, too. To let you know. Oh, good. That's good to know. It seems it seems to be doing well. It's been climbing the charts for a couple weeks now, and uh, you know, more and more when we play it, you know, people seem to be familiar with it. So, yeah, we're re- we're all really happy with it. We're really uh, we're really thankful. Yeah. Now, yeah, like I said, that's a great song. Um, so, kind of dive into the Fozzy thing. What are you guys currently up to at the at the moment? Well, we just finished uh, we just finished a short tour of the U.S. I mean, mostly uh, the Southeast and and the Midwest. And um, we just finished, uh, we just came home from the Jericho cruise, uh, the rock and raging, uh, the rock and wrestling rager at sea, oh. uh, the trip, triple whammy. So it's the third one. Oh, I didn't, and, I didn't um, know you guys did that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we, uh, well, I say we, it's, it's Chris's thing. Um, it's, it's a rock and wrestling cruise and Fozzie's the headlining band. Um, but you know they have uh, they do the wrestling out on the boat deck and uh, it's really it's 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 a lot of fun and it's it's been great we we've done we just did the third one um, we had to you know postpone one obviously because of COVID would have happened uh, last last January I think yeah um, but the fourth one the fourth one is going to be in March so it's a shorter turnaround time this time and. Um, I think uh, probably going forward they'll be um, they'll be in March from now on. Um, so, and then uh, we're going to the UK at the end of uh, November, awesome. and um, and then we'll see next year. We're putting dates together for next year, and the the new album should be out sometime in the spring. And is saying on the new album, or is that is that it, on a, a previous album? That's where I kind of got confused. No, Sane Sane will be uh, Sane will be on the new record, and also. Uh, the single that we released in 2019, which was no nowhere to run, will also be on that record. Nice. Now I know uh, Fozzie is a uh, it's, it's made up of members of members of Stuck Mojo, but how did you get kind of pulled into that project with Chris Jericho and all that? Uh, started around 19. Uh, well, we met him in 1998 when Rich and I were touring with Stuck Mojo. We were on tour with uh, Testament, and uh, might have been 97. Somewhere around there. Yeah. And um, we, uh, you know, Chris has always been a big metal fan. And the way he tells it, he was going to see Testament in Florida where we were playing. And a friend of his said, well, they got Stuck Mojo opening for him. You need to show up early to check them out. And he had never heard of us. And, and he, he, he saw us and really liked us. And, um, you know, we were wrestling fans at the time and um, had done a video that had a bunch of the uh, wrestlers from WCW in it. And so there was a lot of cross promotion between Stuck Mojo and, and the WCW at the time. Mm-hmm. And so he thought that was kind of cool. And uh, I think he just came backstage and he, he had a name at the time, but he wasn't nearly as, uh, uh, as famous as he is now. Mm-hmm. And um, he came backstage and, you know, we met him and he was cool and we became friends. He and he and Rich really bonded uh, right away. And uh, Rich had already done, uh, a project called Fozzie Osborne a while back that was just something for fun mm-hmm. with some uh, fellow musicians uh, in Atlanta doing, you know, kind of a tribute to 
the old um, 80s metal uh, aesthetic, you know, with the long hair. Because, you know, late 90s, that was like, uh, it was as uncool as you could get, you know, to do the long hair and, and cool. uh, <laughs> yeah, and guitar <laughs> solos. I mean, it's, uh, you know, according to the, like to the mainstream yeah. music, you know, it was the new, the new metal era. And, um, and so, you know, to, uh, to play like eighties music and stuff was considered uncool. And, um, but you know, they did it cause they thought it was like, you know, a fun kind of tribute to that era that we all grew up on. And, so they, uh, Fozzie Osborne had only done a couple of gigs. And when he mentioned that to Chris, just in passing, Chris said, well, that's cool, man. I'd like to actually sing for that. And, you know, he said, sure. And so we ended up doing a couple of gigs as Fozzie Osborne, just as a, as a, as a lark, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but we ended up getting offered a record deal and, and, uh, we did two albums of our versions of like, uh, 80s metal standards, you know, by like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Motley Crue and, and bands like that. And each album had a couple of original songs on it. And then in 2005, we just kind of made the decision to, you know, drop the uh, the shtick, so to speak, and, and stop doing the covers and just be a serious band doing all original material. And so that's what we've been doing since 2005. Um, there was like a hiatus right after that first record called All That Remains. And um, the band didn't put out another record until 2010. But ever since 2010, uh, we've been working pretty steadily. Um, we put out uh, one, two, this will be like our, I think our fifth album since 2010. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it's we've had kind of a two to two and a half year cycle between albums uh, ever since 2010. Um, so the band's actually been together for quite a long time now. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's great. I mean, we're really we're really fortunate uh, to be in the position we are. So when you guys kind of went through the songwriting process, obviously Chris has a very similar uh, voice to Ozzy, which is a compliment in my opinion. Um, yeah. do, do you guys... How's the songwriting process for you guys? Got all kind of come with ideas, or your guitar player kind of lays it out for you guys? Well, mostly Rich does the the bulk of the writing, and he's always he's been a, a songwriter uh, for for a long time. It was the same way in Stuck Mojo. It's the same way in Fozzy. And um, uh, for the first several albums and several years, it was basically Rich wrote the music and Chris wrote the lyrics. And there was always contributions from other people, you know, it, it wasn't a matter of, you know, you play this and exactly this and don't deviate from it. It's not like, yeah. uh, no, it's not like he wasn't open to ideas. If somebody had an idea that, you know, is a good idea, he's all for it. And, um, you know, he would write drum parts, but I'd go in and, you know, most of the drum parts, you know, were great. I would just kind of interpret them my own way because everybody plays things slightly differently. Yeah, and I, um, I have to I have to compliment you on your kick patterns. They're always, like, right on the, the you know, it's a very Morgan Rose kind of feel to it, if that makes sense. Like, I, I really enjoy your kick patterns. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. And uh, that, you know, comes from having somebody like Rich writing riffs that, that kind of a lot of times make those patterns pretty uh you know, pretty obvious what they should be, you know, when you have somebody who's writing, you know, such great riffs. Yeah. And, um, so that's the way it's been for, for years. And we just back in, um, in 2015, when we did our, uh, uh, do you want to start a war record? We had a couple songs on the album written by Johnny Andrews, who's been a, a songwriter for a long time. And he's written a lot of songs with and for, uh, really big bands in the hard rock genre, you know, Three Days Grace, and he's worked with uh, Hailstorm and 
um, a, a lot of bands like that. And he's had like a, he's had a string of uh, number one modern rock, hard rock uh, charting songs. Mm-hmm. And he started writing with us and contributed two songs to the uh, Do You Want to Start a War record. Mm-hmm. And he decided he wanted to get into being a producer. So, um, you know, we, I, I'm not sure uh, exactly how all the label stuff worked out because I'm not really <laughs> privy to that, but we ended up being on Sony Music and um, uh, they wanted him to produce the uh, Judas record, which he did. And so he and Rich uh, wrote pretty much extensively together and he was much more involved in the songwriting process on that album and it, it worked out well. So um, he, the same thing with the, the record that'll be coming out in the spring that we've already recorded. Um, it's basically a musically a collaboration between Rich and Johnny and, um, and, you know, Chris contributing lyrics, but Johnny's a great lyricist. So, you know, when you've got somebody writing, you know, amazing lyrics, uh, you know, you don't deviate from it too much. So, yeah. So it's really become the songwriting core of the band has really become Johnny Rich and Chris. Nice. And I think it's starting to show now. I think you guys are your best days are in front of you because, like I said, a single's blowing up everywhere I go. <clears throat> but yeah, I'm really excited to hear this new album. But I wanted to. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's going to be really good. There's some really great material on it. So I, I wanted to take it back a little bit. Obviously, you're a hard hitting, great player. And I can kind of guess. Thank you. I, I can guess some of your influences, but I kind of want to ask how it started for you. Um, was it kind of a family thing or just something you saw and wanted to do? No, it wasn't a family thing at all. Really. I didn't have anybody in my family who played anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I did come from somewhat of a creative background in my extended family on my, on my father and mother's side, but I, I had a pretty, um, kind of standard childhood. Um, I didn't really have anybody specifically encouraging me to go into music. Um, when I was 10 years old, I mean, like I had, their music was in my family in terms of my uh, parents had their record collections and introduced me as a kid to music, particularly like the Beatles when I was really little. Awesome. Um, before I even really understood, you know, what music was, I just liked what I heard, you know? I think, and I think, uh, I think they're the best intro for any, you know, I think for any child to hear, I think it's the best intro into music. Yeah, it's a it's a great foundation to just be absorbing Beatles music as a young child. You know, it, um, you you could certainly do worse. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, and uh, partic- particularly these days, you could do worse. Um, and uh, I I discovered Kiss on my own when I was ten, and um, you know, just saw them on television and just you know changed my world. It was like my, you know, I was like like a lot of kids like that's what I want to do you know that just looks so amazing and just something about uh, I started off on guitar actually um and uh but I didn't really have much of an affinity to it and when I tried to take guitar lessons I didn't really I just didn't take to it and um something about the drums spoke to me and uh I asked you know the parents for a, a drum kit for Christmas and they were like well we gave you a guitar and you didn't really take to it. So let's see if we'll just get you a drum and see how you like it. And, uh, that's what they did. They just got me a snare drum on a stand and I just, I took right to it. I just, as soon as I had the sticks in my hands, you know, I just couldn't stop, mm-hmm. you know, beating around on this snare drum and, you know, constantly. And, and, and in school I was constantly being told by my teachers to stop, you know, beating out <laughs> rhythms on my desk, you know, and, yeah. um, 
so I just took to it and, you know, got a full kit, you know, a cheap, you know, drum set for Christmas, but I was, you know, I was 10 years old. And, um, so, and it just started from there and I just would, you know, I set up in my room upstairs and every day I got home from school on went the records and the headphones and just playing along and, um, took lessons for, you know, initially for a few months, Mm -hmm. but, um, I really mostly was self-taught just like, you know, I, I got some of the very basics from, from the lessons, but then would just listen to records and hear, you know, what Peter Chris was doing and try to imitate it. And, um, and then as I got older and kind of the eighties metal, you know, stuff started up, really started to get into that. Um, it was, uh, Kiss Van Halen and ACDC though. That was, that was the Holy Trinity when I was, uh, you know, in my, you know, from like 10 to 13, those years. And, uh, I obviously can hear it. <laughs> I mean, as a oh, huge comp- so with that being said, did you kind of go through the big kit phase as well too? Were you kind of doing the double kick right away and just trying to lump a lot of drums in, you know, on stage? Yeah, I, um, I, you know, I started out with just a little five piece kit and then, you know, um, when it kind of got worn out, I moved up to another kit, uh, that was like a, some local store brand, which I probably should have never bought. I think they were made of fiberglass. That was a, (laughs) that didn't last long, but I, you know, God bless my dad, you know, decided to kind of invest in, you know, cause they saw I was taking it seriously and they thought, all right, well, let's, let's get him an actually really good drum set. And I, my first actual like brand name, really good kit was a, uh, was a Tama kit and it was, um, it was the art star nice. line. This was like 1985. Yeah. And, um, it was when they just first emerged and, uh, I had, you know, two kicks, uh, I think like, uh, 12 and 13 inch mounted toms and, and, uh, a 16 inch floor Tom. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, I saved up and my first set of really good symbols was a set of Peisty, uh, 2002s. Nice. Um, and I just got like, four 20 inch crashes and four 20 inch crashes, two 20 inch Chinas, a 22 inch ride and a set of uh, 14 inch hats. And that was my symbol setup. So I, I was really influenced by the Tommy Lee, Tommy Aldridge, you know, two up, two down, uh, you know, symbols mounted to the kick drum, you know, straight up stand mounted to the kick drum, uh, you know, China's up high, that whole thing. That was, that was my jam in the eighties, you know? Yeah. Did you go big or go home with that stuff? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Now, did you ever have trouble kind of getting to sound exact, the bass drums? Or were they the same size or two different sizes? If you can remember. I'm sorry. Say again. Uh, for as far as the bass drums, I know it's always been a challenge to kind of get them to sound exactly the same. Were you running the same size or were they two different sizes? I know that was common back then. Oh yeah. I, I never understood the whole different sizes. To me, it was like, um, if you're going to have double bass, it's like, you know, your right foot should be your, you know, your right foot shouldn't be different from your left foot, you know, so it shouldn't. Yeah. So I, yeah, I was very into the symmetry of having two, two of the exact same drums. Cause to me, when you're doing a, you know, a pattern on the kick drums, it's like doing uh, a pattern. It's no different than doing a pattern on one drum with your hands, like a snare drum, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I understand the idea of, uh, having two different size drums as something of like an effect, yeah. But if you're doing like a, a drum beat that involves like 16th notes with the feet, I mean, in my mind, they should sound the same, yeah, you know, it, absolutely. Um, if one's higher pitched than the other, you know, you got that, you know, it's like, that doesn't really, doesn't really make sense. That's the sign of somebody who's not, 
not tuning their drums very well. Yeah. So it, with that kind of stuff, did you kind of bring that into the Suck Mojo stuff, or did you kind of slim down at that point? Um, when I very first joined the band, I still had that kit, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and was playing the double bass. You know that exact setup that I'd always been playing, mm-hmm. and um, it wasn't till it wasn't until um, we were, I think, the first time we played in Europe. Um, we first went to Europe in 96 when I actually scaled down to one kick drum. And I remember Rich convinced me to do, and I was still playing kind of the two rack toms up top. Like I was playing basically the same setup, just minus a kick drum because, um, you know, for, uh, the first tour we did, mm-hmm. we were sharing a kit with like five other bands and everybody had a different configuration. So to try to dra- drag another kick drum along, particularly it wasn't really fashionable to have two kick drums yeah you know in 1996 so uh at one point he convinced me he was like um you know tommy lee was always a uh, one of my favorite players and he and he at the time was doing the you know the classic one kick drum with the one mounted tom and the two floors Mm -hmm. and um and rich convinced me to try that setup and i did and it was strange at first but i grew to really like it a lot And that became, you know, that became kind of my standard uh, setup ever since then. Yeah, you you realize how much you're getting with the ride symbol, too, when it's right in front of you as well. Yeah, it's like now I like, I I really can't imagine having the ride symbol kind of off to the side. Yeah. Like uh, a lot of guys do who have, you know, who have a lot of toms. Yeah, and and, it gives um, gives the ride symbol a chance to breathe. You know, a a good ride symbol can either break or make a band, too. And, you know, my dad used to tell me that, but it's totally true. Yeah. And, um, so I'm not against the idea. Like we've done, we've done some tours recently in Fozzie where I had the, the, the double kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, like in 2015, I had a setup where I was playing, uh, two 20 by 24 inch kicks and like a, a one twelve inch Tom up front. And it looked kind of, it looked kind of weird to have such a small Tom with the two <laughs> big kick drums, but, <laughs> but I liked it. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that. And I always, kind of want to go back to the, the the double kick thing um but for now i'm just you know just using that kind of classic setup of the you know the five piece setup or i guess it would be six piece with a you know one big kick drum the one 13 inch tom up front on a stand and then the two floors and um you know that's that's the setup that i've been used to for 20 years now yeah and i wanted to, that kind of brings up your youtube channel you have some awesome playthroughs as well in there too Did you kind of just start filming yourself and posting those as you went? Well, at the time I was playing with a, a, a a band in Atlanta called Metalsome and they play, um, in, uh, this club in Atlanta and they do live karaoke where it's a live band. And, um, basically it's like going to a karaoke night somewhere, except instead of picking a song and getting up and singing to a machine, you get up in front of band. And, um, and, uh, they called me one time I'd known about it. I'd seen it. Um, and they needed a drummer and they called me and I came in and I ended up doing that gig off and on for about six years. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the time I had one of those, uh, I think it was called a zoom camera that I bought and it was just the way the club was set up, it was really convenient to just mount it right overhead. Mm-hmm. And I would just mount it overhead when we do the show. And when I was doing that show, this was from about 2009 through about 2015, 
um, it was like a four hour show. We would start at 1030 at night and play till 230 in the morning. Oh, wow. And we'd probably play 40 to 50 songs um, in a set. And so, you know, I had a lot of material to pull from every night. And, um, you know, I had seen people doing the whole YouTube drum covers thing. And I was like, well, I'm practically doing that, you know, three or four times a week. Yeah. And so I just, uh, would set my camera up and I would record the whole show and I'd look back and see, you know, look back through which, uh, which songs seemed to go well. And I just started, I got in the habit of posting them Mm -hmm. and was doing good about it. But then I just, I, I stopped doing that gig and, um, and it just, it, it, the, the opportunity to kind of do the drum covers thing kind of fell away with that because, um, at the time I was living in an apartment and I didn't really have a place where I could set up and do that on my own. Yeah. So it was really convenient to do it when I had that gig. But once that gig get, went away, the opportunity to, to post all those videos kind of, it became harder to do and I just kind of fell away from it, but I'd, I'd like to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see you do some with Fozzie as well when you guys are on the road, but anyone, yeah, I, oh, I try to, and I've, I've, I've post, I've posted some stuff, you know, along the same lines with Fozzie. Um, but sometimes, you know, with, uh, you know, doing the show, you got so much to worry about, (laughs) you know, it's like now you got to worry about trying to find a place to set up a camera. And I've, I've been diligent about it before, but I've, I've gotten out of the habit, but I need to get back into the habit. And for the people that aren't subscribed, it's Frank plays drums one. Is that correct? Well, that's the thing is, um, when I, when I set up the, uh, the channel, I think I, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've like uh, monitored that channel that, um, I think it's just Frank plays drums. And I think I had to set up the Frank plays drums one because, uh, somebody had, uh, a channel name that or something. I'm not sure to be honest with you. No um, I, I would, I, I would say this, if you're interested in subscribing, go to which one has more subscribers <laughs> and, you know, look up Frank plays drums and look up Frank plays drums one. And if they're both my picture, Look at which one has more subscribers and subscribe to that one. Nice. Yeah, I'll, def- I'll post a link on it, too. I'll, I'll see if I can find the right one for you. But, uh, yeah, Thank I, you. I want to uh, talk a little bit more your extracurricular stuff before I let you go. You're actually, you, sure. also, you also do bass drum art as well, too. Well, yeah, that's something I started doing a couple of years ago. I, I've always, in the back of my mind, you know, considered doing art of some kind. I just never approached it. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember thinking, you know, after a tour, I would have all these drum heads and I thought about trying to, you know, a lot of guys get online and, you know, sell them autographed and stuff like that. And I thought I should do that, but I thought, well, I should do something a little more than just have a drum head with my signature on it. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll try doing some paintings on them. And, uh, one day I just went, when I was at the store, I just went to the craft section and was like, just grab some paint and see what happens. And, and, even though, you know, a lot of them, you know, some turned out well and some didn't. Uh, any artist will tell you they have uh, a lot more bad paintings than good ones, you know. Yeah. Um, and, but I really just enjoyed the process a lot. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to do some that have sold. People have bought them from me. And, uh, and I want to do more. And I want to do, you know, not just, you know, drum heads and cymbals, but I want to do, you know, traditional canvases and, you know, I'd really love to make, you know, visual art, you know, a part of my, a part of my life in addition to playing drums, 
And um, so it's just, you know, with having a band and, and a family and everything else, you know, it can be hard to find the time. Oh, um, but I, I try to devote a little time to it, you know, every week, even if it's just going down to the basement where I work and just doing a, a little bit, you know, doing something mm-hmm. uh, rather than just waiting till I can do a lot, you know. Yeah, so if when you do get up on that, um, what, what would be the place, best place to reach out and purchase those? Well, the best thing w- would be to go to Instagram. Um, you can either go to just Frank Bonsere, you know, look up, search Frank Bonsere and, and follow me on Instagram. And I also have a, another Instagram that's Frank Bonsere Art. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just the paintings that I've done. And um, and um, uh, just, you know, send me a direct message. if somebody If anybody sees something that they like and they're interested in it, um, you know, just send me a direct message. That's the way I've been doing it. I'm, I'm hoping to, I, I'd love to one day have a, like an e-commerce site devoted just to, you know, selling my, my artworks. But, um, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm still in the beginning phases of that, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, if anybody looks me up on Instagram and see something they like, you know, by all means, please. And then if they want to look at your Instagram, what's the, the handle on that account? It's just my name, Frank Bonsere, okay. either that, or I have the uh, another one that's just Frank Bonsere art, where it's just uh, pictures of like artworks I've done. Um, yeah. And if anybody's interested in anything, you know, just send me a, uh, a direct message on Instagram. All right. And one question I have, obviously we talked about your previous influences, but is there anyone you're going on the road with, you're seeing kind of up and coming, you'd like to give a shout out to, to check out? Huh. Let me think. I know that's um, kind of a surprise question, but. I mean, is there, yeah. I mean, are you, is there any guys you've been touring with a while that you kind of, you would recommend checking them out what they've been doing? Um, well, they, um, we, uh, we just, this tour that we just finished, um, we, uh, toured with a, a band called through fire mm-hmm. and, um, another band called Royal bliss. And we were with another band called uh, black satellite awesome. and all of those guys, uh, were great bands and, uh, all their drummers were great. And, uh, I would definitely recommend to anybody checking those out. Yeah. I'll check those out. But uh, Frank, this was a, it was really it was a great honor to have you on. I know uh, you're a busy guy, as we we talked before. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited to hear this album. Do you know uh, around what date is coming out in 2022? Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a, an exact release date. Um, we're gonna probably release another single. Um, you know, after we feel like Fame has um, you know gone as far as it can go the the record company is going to want to release another single mm-hmm. and um so my guess would be sometime in the spring of next year nice. um but i i can't say for sure all right yeah i understand that well frank once again thank you uh, i'd like to catch up with you later this uh coming year and see what's going on with you as well again but thank you absolutely anytime i appreciate it yeah.